Hello, church, and welcome back to another episode of our adult Bible study series. Uh, we're continuing our study in the, the D6 material. Uh, hopefully, those of you that are parents have been getting the companion material for the kids, uh, have been able to get them engaged. Uh, and for those that are new to the study, uh, the, the concept of D6 uh, comes from Deuteronomy 6. And it's this idea that, you know, as parents, as families, uh, we're supposed to be living the word every day and talking about it every day. This is not just something we do on Sundays, not just something we maybe do in a life group once a week. This is supposed to be woven into our everyday life. Uh, and, and that's how we teach our kids. That's how we teach the next generation is, is how we live and, and having these conversations throughout the day. And so I hope you've been able to uh, take the material that, that the church has been uh, graciously providing and have been able to turn it into conversations with your kids uh, and, and engaging with the material with them uh, in a way that they can understand. Uh, but, but we as adults, and, and especially you know for those of you that are listening to this podcast that don't have kids, uh, or maybe your kids are adult and out of the house, um, this podcast is really geared for, for us, for the adults. Uh, so that we are also being fed and, you know, having time, taking time to uh, really think about the word and, and how it impacts our lives and challenging ourselves to uh, let go of the things that are holding us back and draw closer to God. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited. So uh, for those that are listening on Sunday when this episode is released, happy Easter. Uh, and for the rest of you that are maybe a little behind or that are, you know, if you're like me, I like to listen uh, as I'm commuting to work during the week. Uh, and so I, for those of you that are in that, uh, that boat, I hope you had a great Easter, uh, and not surprising as we come to this lesson, uh, this is the fifth lesson in this quarter, uh, it is titled death defeated. And we are talking about the resurrection. So the first question is with that as a backdrop and, and knowing that we're talking about the resurrection, the first question I challenge you with is, do you really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? That this isn't just a fairy tale, this isn't just a, a story, but do you actually believe that the man, Jesus, historical figure, human being, flesh and blood Jesus, born and raised in Israel, crucified on a cross, three days later, walked out of that tomb? Do you really believe that? And the reason I ask you is because the resurrection really is the linchpin of Christianity. Without the resurrection, everything else that we believe, that we claim to believe, is really meaningless. And if you think I'm overstating this, uh, this is essentially what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So this isn't my opinion. Paul shares this opinion that without the resurrection, everything else we believe is meaningless. So why is this so critical? Now, I think the main reason and that, that Paul, if you continue reading in 1 Corinthians 15, a couple of verses later in verse 19, he says, if in Christ we have hope only in this life, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, that if there is no resurrection, if all we have is this life, I mean, let's face it, in this world, uh, the Christian lifestyle, especially in Paul's day when they were being persecuted, which we don't have to deal with, but uh, the Christian lifestyle is, it's not the uh, the most cushy, you know, it's, it, it really, in a lot of ways, uh, it doesn't embody what most people would think of as the good life. Uh, as Christians, we often sacrifice a lot. And, and again, especially living in a culture as Paul did, where 
uh, persecution is so prevalent where many people had to give up families uh, to be Christians. And so if we're going to live a lifestyle like that, where we give up so much and we're willing to sacrifice so much, uh, and for us today, oftentimes what that looks like is when we live out our faith and we love like God did and we sacrifice like God did, uh, we oftentimes make ourselves vulnerable uh, to the abuse of others and being taken advantage of others. But when we have this hope of the resurrection, it shifts our hope from this life to eternity, where we know that, like Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, we're laying up treasure in heaven. You know, we, we could choose to use all of our time and energy on this earth laying up earthly treasures, as the world does. But we know that when we give back, when we love, when we, when we use that strength and that energy to follow Christ's example and to, to love our neighbor, uh, we know that we're laying up treasure in heaven. But we also realize that as the resurrection shifts our hope from this life to eternity, it's this idea that, you know, eternity, it's not more of the same. It's not just an eternity. You know, mankind has often been talking about, you know, whether it's the fountain of youth or science trying to figure out how to manipulate our genes so that they can reverse aging and you'll never die. Uh, but let's face it, how many of us actually want to live forever on this earth and put up with everybody else uh, on this earth? Uh, and, and so this eternity that we're promised with God, it's not more of the same, but it's also not this vision that a lot of us have of, you know, just a bunch of people sitting around on clouds, strumming harps, singing songs. That's not the picture of heaven either. It's, it's a new life. And in that passage in first Corinthians 15, which I won't get into, but, uh, I encourage you to read it. If you're, you know, want to spend some extra time this week contemplating the resurrection. First Corinthians 15 is a great passage to read through. Uh, and in that, you know, he, he compares the resurrected body, the resurrected life to, you know, it's like right now we're a seed. And if you've ever done any gardening, if you've ever planted a seed, you put a small little seed in the ground and out comes this entire plant that looks nothing like the seed. And it oftentimes bears fruit or, you know, vegetables or whatever uh, that looks nothing like the seed. And it's so much more than that seed. And the point that he makes too, is that when that seed goes into the ground, it has to die. If you've ever dug up a plant after it's been, you know, the roots have taken off and the plant has come up, that seed is, you know, split open, it's dead, it's nothing. Uh, but this new plant comes out of it. And that's what this new life, this new hope we have is like. It's not the life that we know. It's so much more. This is just a kernel, just a seed, uh, which that's a whole nother lesson in itself that I'm not going to be getting into today. But I just wanted to share that with you because when we talk about the resurrection, Yes, there are some important lessons that we as Christians can learn. And yes, it's an important fact to understand that Jesus raised from the dead. But I really want to challenge you to think about why is this so important? Why would the Apostle Paul say that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins? Again, that was 1 Corinthians 15, 17. So let's jump into our text for this week, and that's going to be in John chapter 20. Uh, and if you listened last week, Mark Compton brought, brought us a lesson on the crucifixion. And of course, for a lot of us, if you studied it, the, the crucifixion is a, uh, it's called the passion of the Christ. It's, it can be very emotional when you think about Jesus Christ, the son of God, you know, going from Christmas just a few months ago, we, we think of Jesus as this, you know, precious little baby who left the riches of heaven to come down to earth, born in a manger. And then you read through the Bible, you read through everything he did, this amazing prophet, teacher, 
the the people, the lives that he touched, the the sick that he healed, raising Lazarus from the dead, all these amazing things. And then you come to the crucifixion where he willingly gives his life uh, and, and he does it in just such a dramatic fashion, going to the cross, suffering one of the most inhumane, uh, just horrible deaths. And then now we come to John chapter 20. And so we're going to pick up the story there uh, in John chapter 20. And again, this is after Jesus has been crucified, after he's been buried in the tomb, uh, which that took place on a Friday. And on the third day, which was a Sunday morning, because uh, for the Jews, normally when somebody was dead, you would just bury him, start that process. But Jesus died on a Friday and Saturday was the Sabbath. And that was one of the things that you did not do on the Sabbath. So here we are on Sunday and those that cared about him are now coming to uh, to do the things that they normally would have done the day after. So on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and again, this is John chapter 20, verse 1. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I'm going to pause right there. So if you're not familiar with John, uh, it talks about the the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And most scholars agree that this is John talking about John. And so instead of calling himself and saying, oh, me, he says this disciple that Jesus loved. And so it's kind of funny that in this story, as he's relaying it, he's sure to point out this this other disciple, which is most likely himself, outran Peter. <laughs> Uh, So then in verse five, uh, stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. So John didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who'd reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So just keep in mind now that days prior to this, the disciples had abandoned Jesus and they had fled for their lives. Yet they had still stayed together. They'd come back together and they had heard about this from Mary and the other women. And so when they got there, it says there in verse eight, uh, talking about John, uh, he says that he saw the empty tomb and he believed. And so this is our first key truth for this lesson, which is that the evidence of the empty tomb pointed to the resurrection. And this is going to be important later, and we'll, we'll come back to that. But understand that for those that saw the empty tomb, there was evidence there that they didn't just move, remove the body because, you know, the linen cloths were still there. Uh, that would have been disgusting <laughs> to, to remove that. And it also would have been time consuming to remove all that, to carefully fold it up, leave it there. Uh, so seeing that evidence was enough for them to believe. Uh, So then moving on, uh, we'll pick up now in verse 11. So Mary stayed outside of the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she uh, stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, 
tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, this being Resurrection Sunday, and the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So, I mean, I'd love to spend some time talking about the the personal relationship here with Jesus and Mary. And, you know, every time I read this, I kind of smile where, you know, I don't know if the sun was behind Jesus or if there was just some, you know, weird, you know, post-resurrection body thing going on where she couldn't recognize him. But, you know, it's funny that Jesus speaks to her and asks her why she's weeping. And she just assumes he's a gardener, maybe the one that took the body. And, you know, she's asking him, like, where'd you put him? And I just envisioned Jesus just kind of looking at her being like, Mary, <laughs> you know, like it's me, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's that moment that she finally realizes it. And uh, you have this beautiful scene of them, um, you know, but he sends her, he says, don't cling to me, uh, go, go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father, to your father, to my God and your God. So immediately like she, they have this beautiful moment, but immediately he sends her and says, go tell the others. And then there's this other scene, which we could also spend a lot of time talking about where they're in this locked room and post-resurrection Jesus just appears in the room. So again, that, you know, what I talked about with the resurrection, our bodies being different and, you know, what that's like, I don't know, but apparently you can just appear or walk through walls or something because that's what Jesus does here. Uh, And, you know, there's this, the scene where, you know, he shows his body, he shows his hands and they're just amazed. Uh, but again, he says to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And, and that's the second truth that we want to focus on, which is that when Jesus appeared to his followers, it was, yes, it was to encourage them, but he immediately sends them out and he tells them to go tell the others, tell the world. Uh, and, and so we need to take heart of that is as we consider the importance of the resurrection, that really is what our response should be is to go. We should go shout this news off the rooftops that death has been defeated, that we don't have to live in fear anymore. Um, and, and so we see that right here immediately after the resurrection that Jesus is starting to say, hey, it's time to go. I've been telling you to come to me, come sit at my feet, but now... The resurrection has happened. Death is defeated and it's time to go tell the world. Um, so, all right. And then moving on, the last point that we're going to make uh, comes from the, the last part of chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Now we have Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, who was not with them when Jesus came. So the others, other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
So I just want to pause right there. Now, a lot of times we're, we're kind of hard on Thomas. He's called doubting Thomas a lot of times, Thomas the skeptic. But let's keep in mind that just a few verses prior, it said that when Jesus appeared, that uh, in verse 20, it says he showed his hands and his side. So the other disciples got to see Jesus in the flesh. And they believed when they saw it, but it wasn't before that. They too had been told he's, he's not there, he's risen. Uh, so Thomas wasn't the only one that was skeptical. Uh, but when Thomas saw, um, Jesus appears to him, says, put your finger here, see my hands, put out your hand, place it on my side. Uh, do not disbelieve, but believe. And then Thomas believed and he said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's one of the cool things for us as Christians, that we have this blessing here where, where Thomas is blessed by Jesus. Um, but we're blessed because we believe even though we haven't seen. And I think that's kind of a neat thing to read because for those of us that have faith, uh, again, it's Jesus understands that it's, it's difficult to put your life out there for something when you haven't actually seen it with your own eyes. But we also have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been a Christian long enough, doubt, doubtless that you've seen the Holy Spirit at work and you've seen Jesus at work, whether it's in your life or in those around you. Uh, and then John wraps up this chapter in verse 30. He says that uh, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So again, John says right there that he's writing all these things so that those of us that did not see, that were not there, can still believe, and that by believing we can have life in his name. So the other thing, too, that I wanted to point out as we get here is that oftentimes, you know, yes, we have a blessing because we didn't see it. We weren't there. We didn't see Jesus after the resurrection, but that doesn't mean that there isn't evidence. We have here in these passages, eyewitness testimony from people who did see firsthand. Uh, if you're familiar with Lee Strobel, uh, he's the author of the book, The Case for Christ. If you've never read that, I, I highly encourage you to do so. It's very encouraging and it gives you rational reasons based in logic and fact why we can trust and believe in Christ. Uh, and for those of you, if you've been a Christian a whole, your whole life and you've never struggled with doubt, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, but if you are raising kids, understand that your kids may get to that point where they do doubt uh, or they have questions or they're, you know, in school, they're being asked hard questions. Uh, and that's, that book is a great place to start to help build that foundation. But really what it comes down to, and, and Lee Strobel's background is he was, he was an atheist, an unbeliever. Uh, who was married to a Christian. Uh, I believe his wife became a Christian after, after they'd been married a while. And he, as an investigative journalist and a reporter, uh, he decided that he was going to take all his knowledge and skills and kind of debunk Christianity once and for all so that his wife would stop believing and he could get back to the life that he had before that. But in the process, he realized that if he were to be honest with himself, uh, that all of the evidence pointed to this being true, this the idea. And again, it's for him, it hinged around the resurrection. And I think he picked that probably because it seemed like it would be the easiest thing to disprove. Uh, but in the, in the process, again, of trying to disprove, he realized that there was far too much evidence and that it would take more faith actually to believe that it didn't happen. 
Because not only do we have this eyewitness testimony from people who were there with Jesus that saw it, but we also see from their lives that they believed so strongly in what they saw that they were willing to die for that testimony. Uh, It wasn't just something that they believed as long as life was going well and they were getting something out of it. Quite the opposite. For many of them, it cost them their family, their life, their livelihood. They had to live their life on the run, always looking over their shoulder. But they did so in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that it was true because they had seen. And so we can rest in that too. And again, one of the reasons that I think it's important for us to understand why the resurrection is so important, and we talked about that at the beginning, we talked about why Why does uh, Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins? And I think, you know, especially when you think about the holidays uh, for us as Christians, you know, it kind of starts the holiday season. Oftentimes it seems like it starts around Christmas, you know, where you we celebrate the birth of Jesus and it's such a wonderful holiday and it's, you know, a very encouraging time. And, and there's so much power when you think about Jesus Christ giving up the riches of heaven and coming down to earth, not in might and power and strength, but being a helpless baby with his mother cradling him in this manger. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful picture that really does touch our hearts and it helps us understand the idea of the humanity of Jesus. But if you go to Bethlehem, you know, to the the church of the nativity where, you know, supposedly Jesus was born, if that manger were still there today and you went there, Jesus is not in the manger. And likewise, you know, we, we read about all the things that Jesus did, his teachings and everything leading up to the cross. And we as Christians, we spend so much time talking about the cross and the sacrifice because it is so critical. It's so much of our faith hinges on that sacrifice that he made, that he was willing to die on the cross for our sins. And it's through that death that we have the hope of eternal life. But if you go to the cross today, He's not on the cross. You will not find Jesus on the cross. And even today on Easter Sunday, we make so much about the empty tomb. But if you go to the tomb, that's the point. He's not there. It's empty. If you're trying to find Jesus, if you're looking for Jesus and the power, all of these things are important, but he's not in the manger. He's not on the cross. He's not on the tomb. You will find Jesus Christ today enthroned in heaven at the right hand of God, reigning all authority has been given to him, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And he tells us from that to go make disciples because he is seated on the throne, because he has all authority, including over death. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what happens to us in this life. We have that hope, that promise of a new life. And so I would encourage you this Easter Sunday, take some time to share that with your kids Yes, this is exciting, empty tomb, Easter eggs, Easter bunnies, things like that. But it's this hope that we have. And the only response to that hope is to go and share it. So I would challenge you this week uh, to do that. Find somebody to share that hope with. Uh, and, and also, too, as a family, talk about this. Talk about these themes. Uh, talk about the importance of all these different things. But, but really, you know, focus in on what Paul says, where if Christ hasn't been raised, our faith is futile. 
and talk about what the resurrection means with your kids. I think you'll find that it's a a blessing for them, but it's also a blessing for you. And for those of you that don't have kids, uh, I hope this has been an encouragement. I hope this has helped maybe refocus. There's so much in the world around us. It's easy to get distracted and to lose sight of what's important. But I hope during this Easter Sunday, this Easter week and this season, uh, you can kind of rekindle that hope and that that fire uh, and fix your eyes on Christ, fix your eyes on eternity and, and go out and make disciples uh, and live in the light and the hope of eternity. Uh, and I hope you can be a light and a blessing to those around you. So thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I uh, hope it's been an encouragement. God bless. Have a wonderful week.